This episode of AmateurLogic.tv is brought to you by Santa Claus, the world's longest-range mobile DX station, and by RF Grease, giving your signal that silky smooth sound since 1962. Welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 48. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Peter. I'm Emil. It's good to see you all back again, and this is the Christmas episode, Tommy. Yeah, man. We've got a nice uh, present here that Santa Claus is going to present after a while, don't we? Yes, sir. Somebody's going to have a great Christmas this year. It sure is going to be, and uh, uh, boy, I've been busy around here. You know, it's been warm in Mississippi up till the last week when you left, and it got down quite cool around here, but... Warm back up a little yeah. today. Yeah, right before the rain. What have you been up to? Same old stuff, man. I've been out of town working for the last couple of weeks, uh, playing around with my Arduino a little bit and uh, getting on D-Star a little bit. You know, after I saw the last episode where uh, you used that Arduino, I had to go buy one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's infectious. Yeah, it's sitting over there on the bench. I haven't done anything with it but taken it out of the box so far. Yeah, well, I actually went and bought the Ethernet shield since then, and I'm going to go buy the uh, the little LCD display for it as well. Well, nice. Peter, what have you been up to? Well, not a lot in the ham radio sphere, um, although there is. A, I did do a little bit of uh, uh, playing around with a certain game, which you'll hear about a little later in the show. But, uh, no, the one thing that's caught my interest of late is wave-powered boats, so that's an interesting little technology that uh, I've, I've been looking into. You might have heard during the week that uh, a self-propelled wave-powered boat um, with an onboard computer uh, crossed the Pacific Ocean uh, during the week, which was a pretty incredible feat. No, didn't hear about that. I haven't heard about that either. Yeah. Sounds interesting, though. Yeah, big news down under, I guess. We, we probably yeah. heard about it here, but we'd have to actually watch the news or something to know about that, <laughs> I guess. Emil, what's going on down in Louisiana? Well, I'm with Tommy, George. I've been uh, either traveling with the job or focused on the job here. So, uh, I mean, my job is a technical one. So some of the things I do kind of lend towards uh, the tech and ham radio, and that's uh, a little bit part of my segment this time. Okay, good deal. Well, you know, it's uh, Christmas time. You know, guys, I'm thinking that no ham Christmas episode would be complete without a mention of the Santa tracking craziness out there. <laughs> You're right, Emil. There's a, there's a 20-meter net on 14300 that you can learn more about at 14300.net. Yeah, there's also one on Echolink on the Do Drop In conference server, node 355800, or star do, do drop, that's a tongue twister, star do drop in star and that starts on Christmas Eve. And don't forget Santa's own net, uh, Station OH, uh, Oscar Henry 9, uh, Sierra Charlie Lima, uh, from Santa Claus Land. And don't forget about the NORAD Santa tracking net either uh, at uh, NORADSANTA.org. 
Santa's not going to have any place to hide. Man. No, Santa can't hide anymore with all the technology we've got today. <laughs> Peter, you sent us some photos there of, uh, uh, well, I, I don't know what to call it, but tell us about those. Well, uh, we can loosely group this under the topic uh, Alternative Uses for Ham Radio Towers. A uh, good friend of mine, David, VK3JDA, has um, every year he puts up his Christmas lights and uh, as, as usual he actually puts up some uh, inflatable Santas and other things up on his Ham Radio Tower. So I thought you'd enjoy having a look at a couple of uh, the pics from his website. Yeah, those are neat. <laughs> I used to uh, put some stuff on my tower here, mm. but I haven't done it in a number of years now. Yeah, you used to have a Christmas you, star up there, didn't you? Yeah. Do you have many uh, houses over your way uh, uh, lighting up uh, the houses with Christmas lights? Oh, yeah. We have a lot here in Melbourne. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We have a lot here. Now, what do y'all use down there, Emil? Alligators? No alligators. Same same thing, though. Uh, we uh, definitely have the spirit down here in uh, southeast Louisiana, for sure. Yeah, my house is lit up. Yeah, yeah, mine's lit up a little bit. Not as much as it has been when my son lived here. We looked like the Griswolds one year. Yeah, I want to. I want to. That's my goal. One time, I'm going to light the whole thing up, the roof and everything. <laughs> Your poor neighbors, George. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. I've toyed with the idea of actually building, um, uh, pu- putting up some Christmas lights. I have a Christmas tree, uh, just that at the moment. But I've toyed with the idea of actually hooking it up to the internet so that you could have a user-controllable experience where, say, you come along with your iPhone to your front yard and you uh, uh, load up a certain website and you can just basically pick which lights you want to have a look at and, or maybe a small light show. I reckon that user... Uh, controllable experience would be uh, would add something to it hmm, might keep you up at night sounds like <laughs> an arduino project yeah <laughs> well let's get on into the show you know while we were sitting here with all this great hf gear that's fixing to leave here for the north pole and then oh. on to to whoever i thought it might be a good time to just take a look because a lot of you going to know this stuff but some aren't how to set up an hf station Today we're going to do something that many new hams will need to know how to do. Now, some of you old-timers already know all of this, but watch anyway because you might pick up a tip along the way that you've forgotten about. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to set up an HF station. You know, we're giving away this IC7200 and all the great accessories to go with it this month on AmateurLogic.tv. It's going to be a great Christmas prize for someone. And I just thought we would take a moment and, and look how to set up an HF station. If you've never done it before, I'm sure that you're going to find something useful here. Now, the first thing you're going to need is a place to set up your HF station. We're going to do it here on this table. That's good as place as any for uh, this demonstration. But at home, you might want to uh, look around, maybe use a computer desk, a uh, table, um, you know, whatever you've got available. Just make sure you got enough room for your gear and some room that you can sit your logbook down and, and do some writing on. Maybe do a little uh, working on uh, cables or, or whatever might be necessary. If you got a little desk space left over for that, that's great. Uh, also, leave a little room around your equipment for ventilation. You don't want to pack it in too tight and it overheat. So once you've selected your location, the next thing we probably should think about is grounding. Now, I got in trouble the last time I talked about grounding over on uh, Smoke and Solder. Uh, 
I'm going to show you my ground system. This is how I do it. I start with a ground rod. This is an 8-foot ground rod driven into the ground right outside my shack, actually right up under it. And I've got this piece of copper strap that comes up into the building, and that's where I connect my radio, my tuner, and all the gear that I've got. Now, if you don't have copper strap, you can find that at Georgia Copper or a number of different places. But if you don't want to spend that kind of money, you can use something else like aluminum flashing, uh, some wide braid, uh, maybe some braid off some RG8 coax if that's the best you can get. And if you can't do that, then uh, perhaps just a heavy gauge piece of wire. But wire would be my last choice for this. Every HF radio is going to have a ground screw on the back of it where you can attach your ground system. So I'm going to remove this on my HF rig. I actually have copper strap coming up to this. But for this demonstration, we're going to use some braid here, uh, which would make a great ground. Now, most of these are going to have two washers on the screw. What we want to do is leave one of those washers down on the screw itself. Then we'll put our braid, and then we'll put the other washer. That way, it doesn't try to twist the braid as we turn the screw. Rather than try to twist the braid around there, I'm just going to take a little awl here, punch a hole in it, Stick the screw through, put the washer on, and we'll tighten that down good. Now we want to be sure that none of this braid is going to get up in here and get mixed in with our power connector. That would be bad. Now this other end of the braid goes to our ground system. Now let's take a moment to talk about antennas. Of course you're going to have to have an antenna for any radio. Uh, on HF radios, the antennas get kind of large because of the long wavelength that we're dealing with. Now, there's all types of choices. There's vertical antennas, inverted Vs, loops, beams, just a maraud of choices. Uh, the antenna that uh, we're giving away with the radio today is one that's a, a good starting antenna, and a lot of people use them for years and years and never use anything else. I have one of these cut for 40 meters. Uh, Tommy uses one cut for 80 meters and above. And that's the off-center fed dipole. This particular one is cut for 80 meters, but it will also work 40 meters. And some of the others will work more bands than that. Uh, we're giving away two with this kit here. So there's also a 40 meter one that I believe works 40, 20, 10, and possibly six. So, a lot of bands off a single antenna. Now, let's go outside and look at my antennas. Here's a 40 meter off center fed dipole that I've got up in the backyard. I've got a lot of pecan trees back here, and those things have limbs just everywhere, so there was no way I could stretch this antenna out straight. So, you'll notice that I've got several bends in it, and that's okay. Uh, straight would be better. However, Whatever works, you know, whatever you can get up in the air is going to be better than no antenna. And this one works pretty decent. You can see I've used ropes at either end of it and got those looped over limbs up in the tree and then tied down to the trunk of the tree. Now, I've used this uh, green rope here with a little braid pattern in it that I picked up at Lowe's. I don't remember the exact type. Uh, 
polyethylene, polypropylene, I'm not sure. But if you go look at uh, Lowe's or some hardware store, it's a different types of rope. You'll see on there which ones are UV resistant and weather resistant. That's the one you want to get. I've had these up for several years and have had absolutely no problems out of them. Now let's talk a little bit about coax. Uh, you can use ladder line to feed uh, HF antennas, and that's a great uh, way to go. Uh, some people swear by it, and that's all they'll use. I generally use coax cable. I've just had good luck with it. This coax is from the Wireman, and that's the brand that I generally use because they're at all the ham fest, and they make really good cable. Uh, you'll see there's a braid around the outside, then the uh, center insulation here and the center conductor. And most every ham antenna will fit a PL259 if the cable just doesn't connect directly to the antenna. Also, this is what fits practically every amateur radio transceiver. Now, I showed you in a previous episode of AmateurLogic.tv how to install a PL259 connector, so you might want to go back and review that. But we'll have one of these on either end of our feed line. Now, this is RG213 here. Uh, RG8 is about the same size of cable. 213 has slightly less loss to it. And that's generally what I use. Now, you could go with something smaller if you're running 100 watts, which a typical HF station has. RG58 or uh, Mini 8 would be fine for HF frequencies. Uh, if you're running a uh, high power or a linear amplifier, you'll definitely want to go with some larger coax. Now let's talk about connecting this cable to your antenna. you notice on the PL259, it may be hard to see here, there's two little protrusions here. And if you notice on the coax connector, on the SO239, there's all these little serrated edges around here. The point is that when you slide the cable in here, you want to make the protrusion on the PL259 fit down inside two of the grooves there in the SO239. Then, of course, we just screw it down good and tight. And you might want to take a pair of pliers and get this extra tight, but wiggle the back of the connector here to make sure that you've got the two protrusions down in the holes there. Then tighten it up. Okay, once we've got that tight, we've still got something else we need to do, and that is weatherproof this, because if you leave it like this, you're going to get water in it, and you're just asking for trouble in the future. If you're just going to use electric tape, I recommend Scotch 88. Scotch 33 will work as well, but 88's a little bit thicker and a little more rugged, so I would take this and wrap it good all the way around the connector here, all the way as tight as I could get it, up against the uh, end here, and then come back out down the cable for a little ways past the connector. And I would probably put two or three layers on there and wrap it as tight as you can get it. Now at that point, uh, there's a, a few options you have. A lot of people like to use coax seal. I definitely want to put on the electric tape before I would put coax seal on here. So if you ever have to take this apart, you can peel it back and pull the tape off, and you've got a fairly clean connector. If you put coax seal on there, uh, you'll never get it all off. Uh, there's another option or two that you could use, and one is after you've put on the electric tape, you might want to try something like liquid electric tape. Uh, this stuff seems to be pretty good. I haven't been using it long, so I don't have a lot of experience with it yet. 
but uh, a good uh, two or three coatings, maybe even four coatings of that on top of your electric tape, particularly around the ends, would, uh, would probably keep you weatherproof. But the thing that I usually use is this uh, Scotch rubber splicing tape. I'll put this on first. Now, this stuff looks sort of like electric tape, but it's a lot thicker. It's not really sticky. Um, it's This one particular uh, model here has a liner on the back that you have to peel off. But you wrap this thing around as tight as you can and make a couple of good layers of that, overlapping them good, though, so that you don't have any grooves where water can get in. And this stuff really stretches and as you wrap it around there, it kind of fuses to itself and gives you a really good water seal. After I put on my rubber splicing tape here, then I will cover that with Scotch 88. And that's how I do all my antennas, and I really haven't had a problem with them. But it's something, you know, that might take a little playing with. Uh, just look at it close and make sure that uh, you've got everything covered and you can't get water in there, and you should be okay. Calling all amateur radio operators and CBers. Now you can increase your effective radiated power and signal strength without adding expensive extra equipment thanks to a recently discovered cache of secret 1960s military documents. Originally developed by the Department of Defense for use with handheld field transceivers, this closely guarded secret was able to increase the range by a magnitude of over three times. This revolutionary material has been synthesized using the latest computer-aided development for production by Fu Yu Technology Company of China. Now you can purchase the amazing RF grease in small quantities for personal use. As long as the FCC does not find out. RF grease causes your signal to slide in and out of your antenna faster. This greatly reduces RF friction and results in lower SWR readings, increased field strength, and overall improved RF inertia. Because of the greatly increased radiation speed, some early RF grease adopters report their signal being heard on the other side of the globe before they even began transmitting. You too can get 4 to 5 dB of extra gain, increased stamina, and libido with just one application. We'll even give away the first month's trial supply for free for the first 20 respondees. Go to www.fuyu.com right now and order your supply of RF grease today. <laughs> I need to get me some of that, George. I tell you, and it, it makes a great salad dressing too, Emil. <laughs> well, well, being able to add an extra couple of dB just by applying a bit of grease—well, what a what a great addition to any ham shack. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's well worth the cost. Well, Peter, you've got a little Christmas present for our viewers who are are using raspberry pies this month, don't you? Yes, indeed. Um, and uh, rather than do a segment this this uh, this particular month, I thought I'd put something together uh, which uh, I came across. I was watching an episode, I think, of... Oh, it's one of the Revision 3 shows. I forget which one. Anyway, they mentioned that uh, uh, Chocolate Doom, a, um, uh, a port of Doom to Linux, had been released. And uh, this interested me because back in the 90s, uh, in the days of 300 board modems and bulletin boards, uh, uh, Doom was a, a groundbreaking uh, game for its time. It actually featured uh, new 3D graphics and uh, ran on relatively what is today slow processors. Well, anyway, um, I thought, well, if it can be ported to Linux, it might be able to be ported to the Raspberry Pi. And after a little bit of research, I found out about how to do it. I was going to do a segment on how to port it to the Raspberry Pi. Then I thought, look, it's too complicated. What I'll do is I'll, I'll make up a distro myself. That is, I'll get the, the blank uh, Linux uh, distro, which I think is Raspbian, and uh, just put, uh, put Raspberry Pi on there. And you can just download it yourself from our server 
uh, burn it to, um, I think it's using Win32 Disk Manager, uh, just like any other distro to, uh, to a SD card, and you can play the game yourself. So that's my Christmas Christmas present to you, uh, a uh, what do you call it? Uh, an, uh, an image of um, Raspbian with uh, uh, Doom already built in, and it's faithful to the original uh, Doom shareware version. And you can find that at this link right here. Tommy, what have you got for us this month? I took the, the Arduino project that I showed in the primer last time, and I expanded on it a little bit, and I, I took my little cheap disposable Chinese anti-talkie that I picked up for little or nothing and uh, made a fox hunt transmitter out of it. Cool. Last time we went over the Arduino, I've got the Uno model board here, which is the smaller one, but it's been okay for me. Um, made, if you recall, we made a little project that uh, flashed an LED. I wrote the little program to control it and it blinked my call sign. This time we're going to kind of expand on that a little bit and do something a little more practical. I got out my piece of breadboard here and I prototyped a little small project. Uh, it's only got, uh, actually it's only got two parts on the board, not counting the connectors in the wire. But uh, anyway, what it is is a small fox hunt transmitter that I'll hook up to my little cheap throwaway Chinese handy talkie here. And you can sit it out in the woods or whatever and have your fox hunt with this little circuit. Like I said, it's only a couple of parts and you could put it on a very small board, put it in one of those mini Altoids 10s or whatever, you know, and uh, make it very compact. Let's take a look at the schematic for the little circuit we built. I've got the Arduino up here in the top left. I only use three lines, three of the pins on the row of digital pins on the Arduino. I use the ground. Obviously, I used pin 13 for push to talk, and I only did that because it's the one with the built-in LED uh, on the board, so I could have some kind of visual feedback that my test was working. And then I used pin 12 to send an audio signal, so we'd have some audio for CW on the radio. The push to talk sends out 5 volts, so I picked I picked up a uh, 5 volt. Uh, single pole, single throw read re relay. That's a tongue twister. Read relay at Radio Shack, and I used it to key the transmitter. And the only other part on here, other than the two connectors, are there's a one microfarad capacitor to keep the DC out of the the uh, audio in on the radio. I did check that with my multimeter, and there were uh, one to two volts. Uh, kind of fluctuate a little bit because it was sending CW, but up, up to a couple of volts going out of the Arduino on the audio. So I did filter that out with the capacitor. The uh, the base of the larger 3.5 millimeter um, connector is the push to talk, and the ring of it is the audio in from the microphone. The base of the 2.5 is the ground to the radio. So I tied the ground to the radio to the ground in the Arduino so we would have both sides of the audio line. The push to talk runs out and directly powers the relay and the other side of the coil on the relay is grounded. One side of the switch in the relay is gone to ground and the other side goes straight down here to the push to talk on the radio. So when the Arduino sends out the 5 volts, 
it energizes the coil which the magnet pulls down the the uh, contact in there and shorts the push to talk pin to ground and we tr transmit the radio so when the radio is transmitting i send out the audio signal well as, as, that's pretty simple a few parts like i said you know uh it's kind of ugly with all the wires running around but it gets the job done and uh, you put that on a little piece of piece of circuit board and it'll be very neat looking let's take a look at the program well, this is probably going to look familiar to you since uh last time but i actually used the same code and i just modified it a little bit i defined the audio pin for the sound it's a sound pin variable and some some timings and the pitch for the the audio we you can change this number and change the way the CW sounds. Again, this is the setup function that's run every time the board is initialized, uh, whether you put power to it or whether you push the reset button on the board. The loop is the body of the program and it just runs. It does exactly what it's called. It runs the loop over and over and over. So it's going to, first thing we're going to do is uh, do the digital write and raise pin 13 to key the radio that's going to send the five volts out that's going to energize the coil on the little read relay and we're going to send the in so we'll go down to the end and just like before basically the same code it's going to do the dash and the dot which is going to play a tone now instead of doing a digital write i changed this piece of code out it's going to send the audio so we're keying the radio and then we're going to run down through each of these characters and send their representation in audio only. We're not flashing the light and we're not um, pulsing the relay. And we've got a little bit of delay after each character. You can tweak these numbers and change the words per minute. I've got it sending really slow, my, which is about how my CW is. I'm not very good at it at all, so I, I'm just sending it slow for this example but it goes down and does my whole call sign sets pin 13 back low which unkeys the transmitter and waits 10 seconds and you can change this number to whatever you want and more than likely during your for your beacon for your fox hunt you'll want to send some other message and you just code it the same way it's very simple straightforward if you guys look at it and, or you want this little piece of code you're welcome to it i'm sure there's probably a lot better ways to do it this i sat down in about 30 minutes and threw this together in programming there's so many ways to do the same thing um, not really right or wrong ways but there are better or, or more efficient ways and uh, this may not be the most efficient way i haven't really done a lot of looking into it but um, it does work Let's uh, let's do an example and, and see how it works. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to hook up the Arduino to the uh, computer through the USB port, and let's send the the program down to the device. Compiling, and it's finished uploading and it's running. I can see pin 13 lit up here on uh, on the board itself so let's unplug that and hook it back up to our circuit so the black went to the ground 
the red went to the push to talk which would be digital pin 13 and the audio which is the green wire goes to digital pin 12 which is what we have defined in our software again you can choose any of the pins that you want on this digital side and just change your software to to accommodate okay so we've got that let's hook it up to our little disposable handy talkie bought this thing for little or nothing and honest with you I've almost I barely turned it on it's a disposable uh, the only reason I bought it I can take it out on my boat if it falls off and sinks to the bottom of the lake you know it doesn't really matter if I took my nice uh, IC92 and it fell to the bottom of the lake I guarantee you I would be going in after it so we're not going to use that one uh, not to mention I I did not buy the um, the adapter to be able to hook it up to these type connectors it's got a special adapter for the GPS mic and uh, I need to actually pick that up at a ham fest or something or order one from uh, HRO sometime okay so I'm going to turn this one on so we can hear it okay and we will hook this one up pretty hard to mess this up it only goes on one way And let's supply some power to the board. I actually have a battery hooked up, but since I have the USB cable hooked up to the computer right here, we'll just use it. And you can hear it. I need to tweak the sound. And it sent my entire call sign if you have any questions or if you want this little piece of code that uh, operates the uh, little fox hunt transmitter circuit um, feel free to ask just send me an email or whatever and i'll be glad to send it to you um, a couple of parts here you can get them at radio shack i think the parts including the audio connectors is probably less than six dollars worth of stuff on there i think the uh, relay was three and some change and then you've probably got the rest of the stuff laying around in a junk box. Um, you could use solid state components if you wanted to, to be real fancy. But me, I'll, I will probably play around with this a few times and then it'll sit in, uh, in my box with the rest of my ham stuff that uh, needs to be exercised. That was a lot of fun. I'm going to actually take this and transfer it over to a little piece of uh, circuit board maybe this weekend if I get a chance. Hope you enjoyed it, and I'll see you next time. Tommy, that did look like a lot of fun, and you're actually going to get some use out of that Arduino. Yeah, we're going to do a segment and do an actual fox hunt with the uh, fox hunt transmitter that I made. Well, that'll be great. Maybe we can invite a few folks over and uh, uh, have a big time. That'd be good, because I don't think it's going to be much fun if we hide it and then go <laughs> find it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it probably wouldn't be as much fun. Yeah.
Yeah, we could tie it to the dog and turn it loose. <laughs> that, yeah, that might actually be a good idea. Yeah. For, for extra fun, tie it to a gator. Yeah. Mark Gator. There you go, Peter. Well, you know, uh, the end of the world is approaching fast, December 21st, and there's some steps that hams need to take to be prepared for that. Yeah. Uh, use your washing machine for a Faraday cage for EMP protection for all your radios. Just don't turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> this was actually in the QST article recently. Wow. Well, I'll, I'll suggest that we power a uh, post-apocalyptic amateur logic station from uh, perpetual moonshine still. Since there's not going to be any more sun, um, finding the water for the still or finding the still itself might be an issue after uh, supernova but on the bright side the copper piping in the still could be used for antennas and we can match it with a tuner so we're going to need all the 80 and 160 proof moonshine we can get up front <laughs> in preparation you know so uh, we can store it for safe keeping and uh you know, so you can send all of your available store moonshines to uh, Emil at amateurlogic.tv. Okay, yes, yeah, send that through. And uh, the end of the world net will reveal the ultra secret true purpose uh, for performing Mars modifications to a radio. Via plans of unknown origin, it seems that pointing your beam towards Mars and then accessing the Mars rover's teleport subroutine via the JPL Morse code hint on the wheels, inputted by a NASA ham, of course, will allow you to beam up to Mars Base 1 just before the end. Unfortunately for the hams that make it to Mars with the ultra-secret Mars radio mod, uh, the Martians that invaded us via the radio drama in 1938 by Orson Welles are there and waiting for us and our moonshine. Uh, they're particularly <laughs> fond of good ham during the holidays and have been posing as DX contesters for all these years. From what we hear, they QSL 100% via the Bureau. <laughs> well, I've got all my Nikes and leisure suit. What about y'all? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, there's going to be a, a few nets that you might want to tune in as well. Uh, Emil, what's what's the 160 net there? Well, yeah, I've heard about these. Um, from my understanding, the 160 net is uh, it's going to be the uh, those spaceships look like the 1938 invading Martians net. And I heard from reliable sources that they're going to be hosting it this time around. <laughs> Yeah, for 80 meters, we're going to have the 60 over atmospheric noise, even though there's no atmosphere anymore, Net. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on 40 meters, there's the, damn it, the shortwave broadcast <laughs> stations still work, Net. <laughs> it's hard to quieten down You can't those. get rid of those yeah. things. <laughs> and for 20 meters, there's going to be the 1400 upper sideband international maritime. Never mind the ships, where's the water hour? <laughs> 15 meters, um, it's going to be, I think, the how to work DX with post-atmospheric unusually high SWRs while using recently found radiation sources net. <laughs> For 10 meters, we've got the beacon still running. Find them if you can, net. <laughs> and on 11 meters, the breaker breaker, it ain't broke, key down party. <laughs> key down party. And for 6 meters, there's... Still the magic band with new improved interstellar range. <laughs> on, on two meters, George, um, there's going to be a uh, try to locate any repeater net and fox hunt to follow. Uh, on the digital modes in two meters, 
the all zeros net on 144.390 has been pretty quiet lately from what I'm hearing. <laughs> For UHF, band still works, but no one else is line of sight or just can't see any more net. <laughs> I guess that changes the whole line of sight. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> And, of course, we can't forget 2.4 gigahertz, which, of course, are the microwave bands. It's the just-put-the-popcorn-in-the-dish green energy net. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, no radiation required for that one, huh? Well, let's take a look here at the second half of how to set up this HF station. All rigs generally come with a power connector. If you're buying a used rig, though... Uh, you may have to get one. Most of them are six pin. This IC7000 uses a four pin. I doubt that there's any difference. But one thing that you're going to need is some fuse holders in your power cable. Now, if you got a new rig, you're going to have these. If you're buying a used rig, you may not. Be sure to add your fuses in line, though, because you definitely want the protection on the rig. So the power connector will just plug in right there. This is a pretty heavy gauge wire here. It's real stiff and it can be kind of difficult to get around the screws on your power supply. Now this is a 30 amp switching power supply from MFJ. This one has these uh, screw down terminals here where you can put your wire under them. Different brands will have different things there. I'm going to pull these all the way on off. Now getting these wrapped around these terminals can be if you're lucky enough to have some crimp terminals that will fit over here, the right size, and are a big enough gauge to accommodate your wire, you can put the crimp terminals on there. Now, a step that I will do a lot of times is to also go in here and solder that after I've crimped it. You notice I'm using two hands to do this because I want to get that as tight as I can. There's a lot of current going through these wires a loose connection is going to heat up and really give you problems. So here we've put two crimp connectors on here. And we'll connect that. Now be sure that you got the black wire going to the negative terminal, which is usually black on your power supply. And the red is usually the positive. We have one other power lead here. And that's going to go to our auto tuner. Now this one is just a little small wire. I'm not going to put crimp terminals on it because, boy, finding crimp terminals that would fit these, not impossible, but would fit that small a gauge of wire, yeah, getting kind of impossible. So what I'll do for it is I'm just going to slide them up under our uh, crimp terminal that we put on each of these earlier. And then as I tighten down uh, our two nuts here, that should get them down in there firmly. Once again, be sure to get all this tight or you're going to have a heating problem. You're going to have wires melting, perhaps a fire. Get them tight. Now the tuner that we're going to use here is an MFJ IntelliTuner. This is an automatic tuner. In other words, all we have to do is hit a button on it and it will automatically tune our antenna to present 50 ohms to the radio. That's a very good thing. Now there are manual tuners and they work just fine and that's what I use for my uh, normal HF station is just a regular manual tuner. However, in the mobile I do use an auto tuner. 
and I like it because it would be difficult to tune a manual tuner in the mobile. We've got a ground terminal on the tuner too, so our ground lead also needs to go to it and then on to ground. Now, this ground needs to connect to our station ground or our ground rod that's out there. According to my theory, some folks will argue with that, but that's how I do it. Now we're going to need a coax cable to go between the tuner and the radio because we want to have the tuner in series with the radio. And the other end will go up here to the side that says transmitter. And now our antenna naturally goes in the one that says antenna. Okay, now we've got our tuner connected. We do have one more connection to it. There are buttons on the front of the tuner that we could use to push to tune the rig. However, MFJ has supplied us with a cable. It's optional for different brands of radios, but this one is for an ICOM radio. We just plug it in the back of the tuner, plug the other end into our radio here, and then we can just hit the tune button on the front of the radio, and that will cause the tuner to tune itself. There's also a power connection that needs to go to the tuner. Now all we need to do is put 110 volts into our power supply, connect our microphone, and we should be ready to go. Now it would be a good idea to check it with an SWR meter or an antenna analyzer. I know that this antenna is good. I've already checked it before, so we're going to skip that step today in the name of saving some time, but it's something we should cover in the future. We'll turn on our power supply. And now we want to check the voltage to make sure that we're right on 13.8 there. And from where I'm standing, it looks like we are, and we're close enough. And I'm going to flip it over to the current scale here so I can watch the current draw on this rig. And now the moment of truth. Let's turn on the radio. And now I'm going to hit the tune button after we've turned the power on our, on our tuner. Right now it's saying SWR is green. That should mean okay. Let's hit the tune button. Nothing happened. <laughs> Does that mean that it's tuned already? I don't know about that, so maybe we need to stop the tape and take a closer look. There's a jumper inside that needs to be set to what brand of rig you're using. I've set it to I for ICOM. The correct procedure is to turn on the tuner first, then turn on the radio so that the radio recognizes there's a tuner connected. Push the tuner button for two seconds, and we saw it flash, and the SWR is green, so that means we should be tuned now. And if we uh, set it here so we can see the SWR position on the rig. We'll test it now just to see if we have any uh, reflected power here. W5JDX test one two one two one two testing one two. We saw very little here so that means that the antenna is tuned. Now if we tuned way down the band here we'd want to go uh, do our tuning function again because the antenna may not be resonant there. I've only moved a little bit here, so we're probably still okay in this position. Now, as I mentioned earlier, most rigs come with a hand mic, and that's a good place to start. When you get to where you're wanting to do some upgrades, 
One of the first ones you might want to make is to change out your microphone. Now a good choice for ICOM rigs is the Heil ICM microphone. This microphone was especially designed for ICOM rigs. It's nice, it's heavy. It's got a push to talk button built right here on it. And the cable comes with it, has the 8-pin connector on it, as well as a jack here for a foot switch. So you could do the push to talk from here, or you could do it on the microphone either way you want. Now we're ready to transmit with better quality than you're going to get out of a hand mic. What would be the next upgrade you'd want to do? Well, this is one that I always do on every rig I've got. The little speakers that are in these rigs work, and you can certainly understand them. What they call the modulator board. Add an external, and you're a little closer to high fidelity. As an afterthought, they added, uh, in some laser models, they added 160 meter. Uh... So there you go, how to set up an HF station. Not that difficult, you just got a few rules you need to pay attention to. Make sure everything's connected correctly before you power it up and transmit, and you should be good to go for many years to come. As long as you didn't put your antenna on a branch that's going to fall, and you got that coax taped up good. Yeah, I got to get some of that green rope you got, man. I'm still using the old trot line. Yeah, how many times have the squirrels chewed through that now? About four. <laughs> <laughs> no squirrel problems with this stuff. I don't know what it is, but uh, they hadn't been known yeah. on it. Squirrel proof, huh? Yeah, squirrel proof rope. Yeah. The BB gun you got over here probably helps, right? Uh, yeah, it'll make a nasty whelp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emil. You, you know, you, you skated through Thanksgiving okay. Um, are you going to have a cheap Christmas down there this year? I am going to have a cheap Christmas this year. Um, are you late? George, are you leading into my segment? <laughs> Your wife's not going to be happy, man. <laughs> yeah, she's not. <laughs> Welcome to Episode 8 of Cheap Old Man Minutes with KE5QKR. So you've got wireless equipment for your connections to the internet. What could it mean to you as a ham? Did you know that as a licensed U.S. ham, you have special privileges on the existing wireless networking bands? With inexpensive commercial off-the-shelf hardware and simple software or firmware updates, you can experiment with your own high-speed multimedia ideas. Did you know that there is an IP address block on the internet reserved and dedicated for hams? With your own IP addresses on the internet, you can host your own amateur radio services and enhance your range to global levels. There are future cheap episodes planned of modifying my existing consumer off-the-shelf equipment to follow. Stay tuned. Mel, what kind of wireless router was that in the picture there? Oh, that was an old Linksys, uh, I think it was WRT54G that I had from a while back, George. I got one of those laying around here. Yeah, me I too. I think everybody does. I've, yeah. got, I've got one too. I recently replaced it and uh, I was looking at doing something with it, but mine's the version 6 one. They consider it neutered, which doesn't right. have as much RAM in it. Hmm. It's so. a case where the old two. technology is actually better for our case. Yeah. I've got two Asus, I think, 500G routers, which are the equivalent of it. And uh, I actually used to connect into our uh, local um, wireless network using them. They, you can flash Linux on them and everything. Calling all amateur radio operators. 
Calling all amateur radio operators. Welcome to the end of the world net. This is W5JDX. My name is George. The purpose of this net is to promote amateur radio wherever our signals may travel. This is a directed net, so no member may call another station unless net control disappears. Do we have any short of time check-ins? Uh, VK3PB? Uh, VK3PB, go ahead. Yeah, this is VK3PB. Uh, my name is Peter from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, can you please check me in now as I'm a few hours ahead of you and may not be able to stick around for the end of the net. We've got you checked in, Peter. Are there any general check-ins? Uh, KE5QKR. KE5QKR, your name and location, please. This is KE5QKR. My name is Emil. I'm in southeastern Louisiana. And uh, you'll be proud to know that I'm running my station tonight on emergency power with my perpetual moonshine still. Thanks for being there, Emil. Glad you could make it with us tonight. And do we have any last-minute check-ins for the end of the world yet? N5ZNO. N5ZNO. Tommy, do you have anything for the net this evening? Yeah, this is N5ZNO. I just wanted to say if this whole end of the world thing doesn't pan out, I've got a sports car, a nice Corvette I bought 29 days ago that I, before the payment book comes, I'm going to need to be selling that pretty soon. It's got a few holes for the HF antennas we're in, but other than that, it's good as new. Not really worried about the resale value on that one. We've got you on the list, Tommy. Any last-minute comments before we close the net? I'm seeing a bright light out there. Does anyone else see it? Hello? Net control. Anyone? I think it's Jim with his phone. So it looks like we've got 1,444 entries, Tommy. Wow, that's pretty good. So let's see who's going to win this. We'll go to random.org, and we'll enter in the maximum number here. And click generate. And what have we got? We've got 1,419. Wow. One of the late comers. Yeah. And let's see, that's Mark Tomlinson. He's an extra. Where is he from? Mark's from, nu I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Nucla, Colorado. Wow. Congratulations, yeah. Mark. Yeah, congratulations and Merry Christmas, man. You're going to have a nice Christmas. We sure hate to send all this stuff to you, but, you know, yeah. we got to. <laughs> Guys, uh, I've just been searching around on um, the Facebook page, and uh, lo and behold, um, uh, Mark Tomlinson uh, put a post uh, in response to the release of our public channel. Really? And uh, Yes, indeed. Uh, this was back on December the 8th. And he said, wow, talk about karma or what. Um, I just found Amateur Logic on my Roku and watched the last episode and entered the contest, really looking forward to catching up on the other 46 episodes. So um, uh, how about that? Uh, I might just mention in passing, by the way, uh, that uh, we've now got over 6,300 uh, wow. new uh, subscriptions through the public channel. That's yeah. on top of the 1,500 or, or, that we already have on our private channel. Wow. Boy, talk about karma, huh? Yeah. Mm. Man. Yeah, he was in the right place at the right time. And, and he posted that December the 8th. That was the last day you could enter. Yeah. Uh, I don't know 7, what. 7.12 p.m. my time. Yeah, so, he, he actually entered on uh, December 7th. 
So, you, you know, George, if you want to send it down this way to southeast Louisiana, I'm not sure if I made it on uh, Santa's good list or not. Well, let me check with Mark and, and see if he okay. needs it. If he doesn't, we'll send it right on to you, Emil. <laughs> wow, that's that's great. Mark, congratulations. We hope that you really enjoy this setup here. You've got a lot of good stuff here. And uh, let us know, you, you know, how it works out for you, how you like it all. And thanks so much to ICOM America for the IC7200, to MFJ for the uh, 30 amp switching power supply over there, and yeah. the auto tuner. The tuner and the antennas. And, and the antennas. Thanks to the wireman for the coax cable here. And thanks to Bob Hall for the nice ICM microphone to go with the rig. And, and you're, yeah, he's already right. an extra, so Gordo got off easy on this one. What's he get, Tommy? Yeah, he gets the pat on the back. That's what I was going to say, and let's don't forget to thank Gordo for the pat on the back. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, Mark. For our um, viewers out there uh, who are feeling rather perhaps a little despondent that they didn't win, um, don't fret. Uh, I do believe that we will have other competitions in the future. Uh, we uh, plan to, and... Don't have any details on that yet, but we'll be working on some other things. Tommy, what do you say we give away one more prize here? It's it's nothing compared to, yeah. to what Mark no, has won. It's still a nice prize, though. Yeah, let's it give, is. Let's give away the Constructing HF Wire Antennas book by Jerry Buston here. All Great right. little book. And let's do a drawing. We did a drawing on that. Who got the random number? What number was it? Did you write that one down? I did not write the number I think number it was 10,000. No, it wasn't 10,000. <laughs> It was 1,034, I believe. Anyway. Yeah. Well, it, at any rate, it was uh, KK6AVK, Greg Quintana. Uh, from San Jose, California. Yeah. So congratulations, Greg. You won the Constructing HF Wire Antennas book from Jerry Buston, KR7KZ, our friend. And by the way, uh, the little skit that we saw earlier on Antenna Grease, Jerry had sent me an email that was circulating around on that stuff. And that's kind of where I got the idea uh, from. Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's good stuff. Was. Well, guys, it's been a great uh, 2012 here at AmateurLogic.tv. We gained a new friend this year. We got email on board here. Uh, email, it's uh, good to have you with us, and we're looking forward to a lot more cheap stuff. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you guys, what you've done. You know, you brought me up... Uh, uh, further as a ham since I started watching it, so I'm glad to be a part of it. Well, great to have you there. Peter, what is uh, Santa Claus doing down there this year? Are you playing Whitey Pete again? Uh, Whitey Pete? No, no, no. no, no. Uh, not uh, not this year, I'm afraid, but uh, uh, I'm, uh, I think Santa Claus might be bringing me a UG802, which is uh, like a Raspberry Pi on steroids, so yeah. oh, looking nice. forward to that. You got a nice radio, though, didn't you? Uh, a nice ra- oh oh <laughs> uh, yes we actually had a um, what do you call it Sinterklaas uh, because I mix with the Dutch community here uh, we hold Sinterklaas which is a little bit like Christmas in some respects and we all each get, gave each other presents uh, or rather Sinterklaas gave, uh, gave each of us a present and uh, I got a ham radio this year. And it was a radio literally wrapped in ham. <laughs> so I'm sure George, George will put some photos of that up uh, yeah. for you to, to see. So Mark so, uh, wasn't the only one who won a ham radio this year. Yeah. Yeah, congrats to you too, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
Guys, we've enjoyed it. Thanks, everyone, for watching AmateurLogic.tv. This has been our biggest year yet as far as the number of views we've had. I, I've forgotten how many we had. It was, what, around half a million or so yeah, over the whole it's, year. Yeah, it's a lot. Unbelievable. Uh, really way further than, than we thought it would ever go. And uh, that's what keeps us going. And from here and from all you viewers, and we want you to join in our community. Uh, come over to Facebook and uh, do a search for Amateur Logic and join the page there. We've got a great community, lots of uh, good tips and topics and just uh, general uh, fun and tomfoolery on there. Yeah, there's a lot of great people on there. You meet some new friends and uh, help out new hams and it's a great time and and learn about stuff too we work on problems together you know uh if you've got a problem with something you know we've had people post it on there and other folks come back with a, a possible solution to it and we have not come up with a solution though for uh, getting echo link on the raspberry pi yet no but it's still under development right yeah sort of there's there's several of us that have been working on that and i'll just tell you where it stands right now i got it compiled and it's up and running and uh, I'm using SVX Link, which is a Linux Echo Link program for uh, repeater use. Uh, there's another one on there. I can't remember the name of it. That's just as a client for just someone connecting with a uh, uh, computer. But, you know, I needed one here that would replace the radio that I'm using uh, to do the Echo Link node for a local repeater. So SVX Link is the only program that would do that. It runs. I've got it uh, doing IDs. But after a few hours, it loses communications with the sound card, and uh, you know. Yeah, apparently that's a common problem too, right? I think so. Uh, Sean over in uh, the UK was working on this problem too, and and he came. Well, he had the same problem. Mm -hmm. He was using a different sound card, and after several hours, you know, his would lose communications too. Yeah. So somebody will eventually come up with the. Uh solution to that yeah we've tried a lot of stuff but if uh, somebody comes up with a solution let us know about it because we want to get that thing going and we're going to do some other fun stuff with raspberry pies with arduinos um, with cheap things that email has laying around the shack uh, with, some, upside, with ham with ham yes there'll be lots of ham promise that <laughs> okay guys we've enjoyed it Thanks, everyone, for watching, and join us again in uh, 2013 if we're all still here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good, good uh, if not, we'll see you in heaven. Yeah. 7-3. 73s. 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 You know, the end of the world is coming up here oh, in the next week or so, December 21st, and there's some steps that ham should take to be prepared for that. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I obviously wasn't. <laughs> no, he <you> weren't. <laughs>